Yo, it's happening, guys. Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you, so I thought I'd sit down, record a solo podcast. Everything's just so fresh. Um, just been on some awesome adventures here, and um, I know the last solo I got on and shared some of my failures, so I thought this time I'd I'd get on and share some of my successes. Um, yeah, hard work and effort pays off, and uh, able to place a couple good arrows and, and harvest some critters. So uh, I thought I'd get into it. it. Just so many tips and tactics that you just pick up like during season in real time. And so that's what I want to share with you guys today. Uh, I just want to thank our sponsors really quick. Uh, sponsors are, um, they just help make this podcast go, uh, help pay for my time it takes to, to record this and put out good content to you guys. So I really appreciate you guys, and I really appreciate these sponsors that stand behind the podcast. I uh, just get to use the the best gear out there, and uh, I'm super fortunate for that. So I want to thank Everly Stock. I want to thank Matthews, Sig Sauer. I want to thank Sitka, Sportsman's Warehouse, Swagger Bipods, Zamberlin Boots, High Mountain Seasoning, Onyx Maps, and Mountain Archery Fest. I uh, also want to thank um, Savage. Savage is going to come on as a sponsor next year, and I'm super excited to have him on board. Um, so thanks to you guys for your support, and thanks to those guys uh, for their support of the podcast. It really helps. So if you're in the market for any new gear, uh, make sure to check out those sponsors. Um, like I say, they produce the the best gear out there, and uh, I, I'm really happy and proud to have them part of this podcast. All right. Man, just in the middle of hunting season, um, how fun is that? Uh, I just uh, matching wits with these critters, and there's a lot of tough times that goes along with it too. There's a lot of hiking into places and not seeing what you're after, having it be slow, having there be challenges. You know, even you know, I talk about these tags and special tags, and you know, sometimes you get there and it's not exactly what you think it is. It's um. You know, there isn't animals around every tree or, or giant 190 bucks around every rock. You know, they're, they're just tough. There's, um, you know, they're wild animals living in this, you know, the most remote, vast backcountry that, that we have to offer here in the lower 48. You know, these things are good at surviving. Like that's their, you know, that's what they work on 365 days a year is seeing danger come and getting out of the way of it or... You know, having those that really good intuition or those good instincts that keep keeps them alive. You know, they have a knack for making a move at the right times. And man, it's difficult. We see all these trophies come across on social media, and and me included. You you probably see a lot of pictures come across my feed of successful archery harvests. Um, but the truth is, is there's a lot of these big animals that get away year after year, and everything just has to go perfect. You have to do everything right on your side. And, you know, I hate talking about luck, but, you know, it takes it takes a little bit of that, too, of the animal moving to the right position or making the right moves. But, you know, it. I, I believe we make our own luck and I believe we put ourselves in enough, enough good situations and we're patient and we let things develop and good things happen and you you get and you earn opportunities. So that's exactly what's happened this year. So I got on that last solo podcast. I was talking about missing that sticker buck, and man, it just crushed me. You know, you work so hard, put so much effort in, get a 20-yard shot, and then, 
you know, I just forced that shot. I, I threw my pin down there and punched my trigger and, uh, the arrow went right over his back. And, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's what I get for not executing correctly or losing my focus in that, in that moment. So came home, recorded a podcast reset and, um, just thought I'm going to go back there. I'm going to go back for that deer and I'm going to find him and give it my all. So at least, you know, when I finish up the season, if I'm unsuccessful, I can feel good about my effort and feel good about my hunt. So I loaded up on a solo trip and um, went for it. I was all in. Um, you know, I've got that dirt bike. I was telling you guys the couple of racks I've been in on that thing. I'm really getting good at riding it, I swear. Uh, but uh, uh, brought my dirt bike back and um, solo, had everything I need. And and um, really this spot I'm getting into, you have to hike into. And I told you guys, like, you can't just ride around on those bikes. Like, you got to use them as a tool uh, to get you to a jump off spot that then you can hike in. And, um, you know, if you're, you know, it's like hunting from that, that bike you can cover so much country and grab so many vantage points so you feel like you're like you're hunting or or feel like you're really covering country efficiently but the deal is is there's so many people with side-by-sides bikes wheelers and everybody's it's human nature they're looking for the easiest way and the easiest way is to stay on that thing and then you know hop on these vantage points and see deer but the truth is, is there's so many guys doing it that way because it is the easier way to do things that, you know, the animals get chased off these vantage points. There's a lot of guys that are going hard, and if they see a good buck or a good bull, they're going to go for them. Um, so really the key is, you know, the key is in all these units. I think this is super important. So, you know, I love to hunt wildernesses. I love to hunt big, vast backcountry that takes effort to get into. Um, but, you know, a lot of times in the wilderness – like there's a lot of hardcore guys that are attracted to these places and and for good reason I love to hunt these places but you know one of these things I've been doing with a lot of my a lot of my hunts is finding these little oasises like inside the unit like these little wildernesses that aren't wildernesses they just don't have any roads or any access to them and you know, it's, you can do all the studying off a map you want, and and all that does pay dividends come season. You know, it gives you a place to start and places to walk. But really, you got to get foot boots to ground. You got to get there, and then you kind of figure out which roads are closed and which roads are open. And a lot of roads they'll show on your map, but they cross through private. And and when they cross through private, they put a no trespassing sign, and now all of a sudden you can't drive that road. Well, what that creates is it creates a little wilderness or a little oasis where nobody can drive in there. Nobody can access easy. Nobody can get in there to go hunt it. And, and so there's critters in there, and there's good critters in there and good opportunity. Like That's what I'm looking for in these units. And a lot of times, you know, I, I have... Um, so I do a mix and match of diving deep into the wildernesses and then hunting roaded country. And a lot of times this roaded country, it doesn't have as many hardcore hunters that are looking for these little spots. Uh, you know, it's got a lot of guys that are hunting from vehicles. It's got a lot of guys that are day hiking that don't backpack in and stay overnight. Uh, you know, and when you're day hiking places, you know, you just kind of make it in there to where you want to be. And you're always thinking you got to walk back to your truck or maybe you don't have, you know, you just get up there with enough water. And, and by the time you get somewhere, it's middle of the day. It's not even the right time to look. And I'll get into that more in, in uh, this elk hunt when I talk about that. But 
um, you know, that's kind of what I'm looking for. And I've just found these these little oasises or these little wilderness spots inside high pressure units. And it's a gold mine for opportunities and for good bucks and good bulls. And so um, this deer hunt is a wild one. So it's a lot of sage country, rough, uh, rugged uh, bands of rocks and things of that nature. And so, you know, we started, you know, I found that really good buck the last day I was in there and uh, airballed that thing. But, you know, what that tells me is where these deer are hanging. And, and I had found an oasis where these deer could could live. And so I'm right back in and right back into that spot. And so, um, man, I had some challenges on this thing. So the, the first morning, you know, I don't want to be late and I don't have my backpack ready to be packed in. It's going to take me an hour to get my stuff together, to have my sleeping bag, my pad, my tent and things. So I think, well, I'm just going to go in super early and and I'm going to go to check this spot and, and see what's in there. And, and, and then from there, I'll hike back, I'll get my pack ready, and I'll pack in. And so I roll in there, ride my dirt bike, I don't know, about maybe 20 miles in there off some some really gnarly roads and things to get to my jump-off point, park the bike, and uh, start hiking in there. And lights are coming on and seeing a lot of deer, um, a lot of numbers in there, and um, I, I spot a pretty decent four-point. In fact, I see there's two four-points in the group. And, um, so I, I kind of look at them. One's got an extra sticker on it and I think, God, that's a pretty good buck, you know, but you know, it's not that double sticker buck. It's not, and I haven't even checked the draw he was in yet. And so, you know, I kind of hemmed and hawed, watched this buck, let, let him bed down. I'm thinking, gosh, do I make a play? Do I not? You know, it's, it's tough hunting in this unit and it's, you know, a, a good, decent four point. But in the end, I, I think, you know, I know where this buck is. I'm just going to leave him here. And, um, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna pack in and go look for this double sticker buck. The thing is just a monster. I want redemption. You know, I won't get it by shooting this buck. So I, I, I pack out of there, walk out of there. And I had this problem with my bike. So my bike going in, it's leaking gas out the bottom, out the carburetor. And at first I'm thinking, well, it's super cold. My hands are cold and things. And at first I'm thinking, um, well, maybe it's condensation in there and it's just getting rid of condensation. And so I check the gas can- gas tank. I open it once and look inside of it. And it's like, oh, I still got gas. I'm fine. And they'll run forever off a gallon of gas. And so I checked it a couple times and I just didn't want to, here's where I made a, a crucial mistake is I just didn't want to give up that morning hunt. Uh, I thought, well, I'll just figure this bike out later. You know, if I've, if I've got to take it in or it's busted, you know, whatever it is, you know, I'll just figure it out. So I hike all the way back down and by this time it's midday, it's almost afternoon and hop on the bike and start cruising back towards the truck. And I'm going to load up that backpack and go pack in for four or five days or whatever. And, and, um, so I start riding back and I make it like three, four miles and the bike starts sputtering and it dies. (laughs) So it was leaking gas out the carburetor. The float had broke or got stuck. And so it was just pouring gas into the carburetor and then pouring it down onto the ground, you know, through that little, uh, like, breather tube. Gosh, listening to me talk about mechanics on a bike is horrible. I know it's brutal, but uh, this is my limited understanding. And so my bike sputters, it runs out of gas, and I am 15 miles from my truck. And now I'm thinking, gosh, I can I even get my truck back in here to grab the bike? Am I going to have to walk it out? So I, 
Um, you know, and already did a really good morning hunt where I covered, you know, I don't know, eight miles or what, you know, whatever I covered and a bunch of elevation, but now it's time to throw in my pack and it's time to ruck back to my truck. So 15 miles, I rucked back to my truck, make it back to my truck. And then, um, I got to try to get my truck to where this bike is, you know, luckily it's down a, you know, a two lane or a, you know, an old dirt track and there's a couple bad spots in it, but I think I can make it. So, you know, I, I get my truck and slowly bounce it to where my bike is, you know, <laughs> 15 miles takes a long time to ruck. I actually should have left my pack and then just uh, jogged all the way back to my truck. Um, but I, I kept my pack on. I had my scope in there and, you know, I, I've got a bunch of valuable stuff or, you know, it would have been fine. Nobody messes with it. But um, so I just rucked back to the truck. Took me a long time. You know, I don't know, three, four hours, something like that get back to my truck, bounce it back to the bike, load up the bike. Uh, the bike won't work anymore. You know, it's like running out of gas. It's like just pouring out of that carburetor. So load that thing up. And now I'm in a unit that, that really I bought this dirt bike for this, this unit is full of roads that you need a dirt bike to be able to access different places. Like you just can't get a truck to a lot of these places. So I got my truck like a couple more miles and parked it and I'm exhausted I've rucked out I've made the morning hunt I've drove all the way down there you know but it's it's like I'm sitting there and you know God hates a coward (laughs) it's like I just I gotta go all in you know it's like I gotta I gotta give it my all I can't quit you know this is just a challenge I can't let this get me so I can't even get my truck to like the jump off point where I had parked my bike to then go hike into this little oasis or wilderness that I found to go look for bucks. And I'm coming in a different way. Like I can't, you know, a, a lot of my plan was to come in from the other side, the way I came in from Dan, the way I located this big sticker buck. I, I can't do that anymore. It's 25 miles of just dirt bike trails to get in there, um, just to get to the starting point from that direction. So just park my truck, load up my backpack, a few days worth of gear, and all in. I just start hiking up the road to start with, up the road, and then, um, you know, I finally make it to the jump-off point. It's getting dark at this point. Headlamp on and um, just go grind up and in there and uh, grind up with my headlamp. And, man, I, I love it. It's a it just feels so good to put so much effort into something like just to truly love it and truly be all in like, um, you know, you're, you're pushing your limits and your, your safety and the whole deal. I, I just, um, man, it's so fun to be immersed in these hunts and these challenges and, and it really pushes you like, um, you know, it's, it's easy to be lazy or to make an excuse or to not go back or, you know, blame it on the smoke, blame it on the hunting pressure. There's a million excuses I could use. I could come back and I could make you guys the best excuse for why I didn't fill my tag, or I can go all in and put forth every bit of effort I have and let the chips fall where they do and be honest with myself too. That's the only way I'm going to get better and going to improve as a backcountry hunter. But, um, man, I love grinding, uh, I love that physical exertion and putting everything into it. So yeah, I grind up in there and start hunting and man, I, I look for that sticker buck and that draw and in that drainage from every different angle for a couple days. Um, and I, I see some other bucks. I see those two four points that I passed and you know, they're just not quite there. They're like, 
they're like 20 to 22 inches wide you know they're 150 inch box 160 inch box right in there um you know they're good box and um you know i'd love to go make a stock on them but they're just not the bucks i'm looking for but i give it a couple days looking for the sticker buck and i turn up some deer in that drainage i turn up the two bucks he was running with and um, sticker bucks just nowhere to be found so i just start working these ribbon cliffs and hiking to different spots grabbing different vantage points and you know this is a this is a a good unit that grows big deer but there's just not a lot of them you know there's not a ton of bucks ripping around and so uh, you know i'm having to cover a lot of country not finding that sticker buck i'm passing up other bucks and um keep hunting hard finally after a couple days it's like well, I'll, I'll just keep looking around in every spot that I think a big buck could hide. And, and if I find him, I find him. And if I don't, I don't, you know, but at least I, I came back in here. I gave it effort. And so, yeah, I just start uh, grabbing good vantage points. And um, pretty soon, one of these good vantage points, I turn up a group of bucks. And the group of bucks, they're all older age class bucks. Um, I, I thought my sticker buck was going to be in there, but he wasn't. Uh, so I see some good bucks, and there's one really good typical in there. He's just really deep forked. He's got a couple extras. I think think to myself, I think, you know, I'd be happy to put my tag on that buck in this unit. Um, so it's game on. Like I, like I got a buck to hunt, you know, and I watch these things bed down, and they're just in all these little just these, these, this cliffs or these rock formations and, and these rock formations, they form shade. And, and so these bucks are finding this shade. So they're feeding, I mean, it's pretty wide open. I don't think there's a tree around other than these rock formations. Um, but these bucks are hanging out and feeding in these rock formations and they bed down by this good rock formation. And I got a good wind. It's like, man, here's my chance. So I um see the bucks bed down and and um make my way over to him and uh you know crush a couple miles over to him and and get over there and drop my pack and I've got these this rock formation that kind of leads to the formation that they're on with a good wind and I think they're going to get up and head towards me and so I I get in there and I slip down and I'm in the shade of this rock anytime deer or elk you can set up in the shade or move in the shade or use these shadows. They just can't pick you out in the shadows. And I notice it too while I'm glassing deer. You know, you can glass deer. When they're in the sunlight, they pop. But boy, they get in those shadows and they just hide. It's dark in there. You can't see them. And so same thing when I'm stalking these things is I'm trying not to expose myself with this direct sunlight. I'm trying to stay in the shade. So I can use the shade of this rock formation and I creep down and I mean... This is shale rock that's really noisy, and so each step has got to take me about a couple minutes to get my weight down on it, be quiet, and get down in there. And oh, I had, I had, um, you know, I don't know that this matters in the story. Like uh, it's like a, a feather to my cap, but you know, I'd been trying to film this whole thing with with Dan, and so film and capture the whole entire hunt, and then like Dan filmed for me on that sticker buck that I missed. It's just awesome footage of my miss <laughs> let me tell you i love to relive that thing uh but um when i went back solo it was like well i want to try to finish off the film if i can so i'm solo filming so i get down there with my camera and my tripod my bow and i slip down in these shadows and then set up my tripod on these bucks and i can see embedded there and the, the typical i want 
is bedded where I can see him on this rock formation. And I think they're going to get up and head towards me as I'm in a bigger rock formation where I'm going to have a lot of shadows. And as the morning sun starts to come up and then creep higher and higher, it changes the shadow of these rock formations. And so I figured they're going to move at me. Got enough time. They're bedded there. I can see them. And I creep down in the shade. And I'm I'm on the outskirts of my bow range right there. Like I'm I'm right at a max bow range or whatever where I'd shoot. But I, I figured these bucks will get up and come at me and. I wait for an hour. I watch them reposition. Here's one with big backs that kind of gets up a couple times and kind of moves around. And and then finally my buck stands. And they're kind of going over and they start to go away from me. And my buck's the last one in the group. And I thought, here it is. You know, he's standing up there like um, broadside, a little bit quartering away. I thought, they're they're not going to come at me. This is my shot. Execute. And... Um, you know, of course, I had thought about that shot missing that sticker buck a million different times from Sunday. I had shot, you know, a bunch of arrows when I came home, and it's just like I, I know I can make that shot. I'm 100% confident. It's exactly what happened. And drew back, executed a perfect shot, watched that arrow just disappear right exactly where my pin was, and watched that buck run out and then fall over, um, you know, in sight. Oh my gosh, what a great feeling. What a, what a redemption arrow. Oh, geez, that feels good. Um, like I say, it is so difficult on these animals. And there's, there's so many pictures that come across our feed of giant animals. But there's so many guys out there working hard. There's guys that get lucky. There's guys that, um, you know, and, and not that, that not, not that everybody doesn't deserve the trophies that they shoot, but it gives you this perception that everybody's killing big things and it's almost expected that you put in the time and you should kill a big trophy. It's not like, like to kill a, a trophy animal. Um, you know, it, it's a buck of a lifetime. Like it is, it is just so difficult, but it, it comes down to these opportunities that we create and then the moves that we make to put ourselves into range. And I had played this one absolutely perfect. You know, it was like, I, all the conditions were right. I had the wind right, bucks bedded in the right spot, used the shadows. I didn't make any noise. They had no idea I was there. You know, I, I made the right moves. That buck stood up, gave me that shot, and um, I just kept, you know, the, the last shot I had missed, I had, had jerked that tri- trigger so dang hard. And so, you know, that's what was going through my head this whole hunt. It's like, put your pin on them, pull. You know, and so that's exactly what I did. Pin went on him, pulled, executed a perfect shot. Buck went down. Oh my gosh, does that feel good? You know, in the hot summer sun, able to take a few pictures and then get working on that thing and get them butchered and um, in my pack with my camp. And uh, I am a long ways from my truck. Um, I'm a long ways from where I should have parked the bike. <laughs> I, uh, but. I love that toughness and that grit and like, you know, all the training, like, like it's to get me to this spot to kill this buck. But really a lot of that training is like now that's when I'm going to have to rely upon it. Now I got the responsibility to get all this good organic meat home to my family and get it out of here. And, and it's, it's going to take some willpower. It's uh, I love these challenges that, you know, just so far away, load up that buck, load up that camp. I got them all in one load just start grinding, man. I mean, I'm all smiles at this point to find my redemption arrow and kill a buck like this. And it's good that I've got this long pack out 
So I climbed to the top and then, I mean, way in the heck down miles. Like, you know, I can see where, you know, I can see where my truck should be. I can't see my truck. It's too far. It's tucked down into the draws or whatever. But, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, it was um maybe five hours of steady going with that 100-plus pound pack. And I don't know what they weigh. I should really weigh these packs when I when I get back. But, you know, that's what all the hearts works for. That's what strong legs are for, strong back. It's just ready for it, you know. <laughs> like uh, I, I, I wish and want for that kind of hard work and effort. And um, I, I love – there's nothing like a pack out to really – really see what I'm truly made of. Like some of these pack outs I've had in Nevada and Colorado by myself, you know, double digit miles to be able to get a buck out. You know, sometimes I've done past even what I think I can do. I know this one Colorado buck, I couldn't even sit down anymore because I didn't think I could get myself up. And this one wasn't that bad. Like I'm in really good shape and uh, killed the buck I want. And so all smiles on the way out. I grinded my five hours out made it back to the truck, and man, does that feel good. Oh, it just washes away the miss. It washes away all the negative. It uh, just makes me feel on top of the world. Uh, I love bow hunting with every fiber of my being. I just love how it challenges me. I love like that you got to try to keep your cool in the moment, these these adrenaline-filled moments that, that mean everything to me. And it's it's part of my problem, too. When these moments mean everything to you, you've, you've been training so hard, you just put so much weight in these moments. And, and you know, I can mess up just like anybody, and, and it crushes me when I do. But, boy, when I get it right, it feels good. So the last podcast I talked about how bow hunting, you know, can take you to your lowest low. Well, you know, the, the contrast to that is it takes you to your highest high. And killing that buck was definitely a high. Um, man, did that feel good. Just feels like all that hard work and effort paid off. And, you know, a lot of times it doesn't. I mean, I could have gone there and, and just as easy eating that tag, not found that sticker buck and not came out on top. But uh, worked out this time, you know, one for the good guys. So, uh, man, just so awesome. So, yeah, come home, get that thing butchered up, spend some good quality time with the family and, um, really trying to catch my daughter's volleyball games, you know, once in middle school and once in high school. So I'm trying to catch those games, um, trying to be here for my wife. You know, they give me my, the support for my hunting and understand it and understand me. And man, I just, I just want to be the absolute best family man I can, you know, to, to help support them. I'm so fortunate to be able to get the time I do. And so, yeah, just come home and, um, dive into that, you know, just jumping in wherever I can jump in, wherever I can help, whatever I can do. Yeah. Cause I know season isn't over. Well, that's not the reason. I mean, uh, the, the reason is because I love my family with every fiber of my being, my daughters, my wife. Um, and I just want to be the best person I can. I get to go chase my dreams and, um, you know, I just, I just want to make sure that I'm taking care of all responsibilities and taking care of things. So fun to get home, spend some time with them. I don't know. I I probably mentioned it on the podcast. Like you wouldn't think I'd be a football guy or I'd watch any football, but I I love watching the Seahawks. We record them every every Sunday, and then we watch them as a family. I come from you know, I was born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, like over twenty years ago, and um, my family always watched them growing up. And God, I just love watching them. And the team is so good. Like to watch Russell Wilson play. Um, he is just a winner. And Pete Carroll, and I, you know the the whole team. Um, it's so competitive with these NFL teams. Um, 
got to be able to to win and compete and how hard they work at it. Like I I just really like watching it. So yeah, I came home and you know watched the game with the girls, and um, they won, which is always a good thing. But yeah, just just spending time with those girls and spending time with my family, and then being able to get to the mountains and just go chase them. So fun to be into them and make those plays. And so yeah, I get home, reset, and uh, season's not over. Now it's jumping right into elk. Um, got a couple good buddies coming over. I got uh, my buddy Janus, my buddy Robin from Hawaii. They're gonna be hunting with me. They're staying with me for a month. Um, so um, yeah, we dive in, start hunting elk, and man, do I love elk! Is there anything more thrilling, more exciting than to hunt rutted up elk? And now, you know, I've pushed this deer hunt back, and so by the time I get started, it's September fifteenth. It's peak of the rut, and um. So I have all these ideas from hunting this place last year, how I'm going to do it, how I'm going to hunt it, and um, you know, go down. And, of course, there's challenges again. There's smoke. I can't glass from afar. I can't glass from the bottom, see where the elk are, and go get into them. Tough to see. You can only see close to you, but um, all in. Uh, load up my pack. Same thing here. I'm finding these little wilderness areas, and, um, you know, I'm not uh, – I'm just diving right into the middle of these things. And elk are so nomadic that that I have to be nomadic too. There's a lot of country they're not, and there's a little bit of country where they are, and there's a lot of them in there, you know. Or, you know, usually it's not just one group of cows with a bull. I mean, sometimes I run into that, but um, a lot of times where there's one group of cows and a bull, there's more. And uh, so I I just uh, I dive in. Um, the wilderness, I'd actually dive in solo. I had, I had met Dan down there. He wanted to go take his dirt bike up on this, this ridge road and then hike into this spot up there. Um, dirt bike's still out of commission. So I just said, well, I'm just going to dive into the middle of this wilderness and do a solo trip and, um, go in. And I talked to my buddy, Rob. He didn't, he didn't want to hold me up. Um, Jay was kind of, he's got a, uh, like his brother-in-law's there and some other deals. He's, he's kind of hunting with those guys and hunting with us. And then my buddy Rob, uh, he didn't want to slow me up, but he, he could have came with me and camp with me. And I invited him. I said, well, come with me, you know, we'll go get into him. He goes, no, I, I think I'm going to go up this ridge over here. And I said, yeah, it's good up there, you know? And so we split up and he went up the, you know, this one side of this huge drainage. And I went up the other side of this huge drainage and we get up in there and I get to the top and I'm and hanging out and um, glass down into this this timber down by this water and pick out a pretty good bowl with some cows and say so like it's game on like here we go and uh, so I cruise down in there and as I get closer I'm just there's more elk and more elk and more bulls there's probably 75 head in there and I see a couple good shooter bulls there's one really good six point it's like this real. He was mudded up, you know, I say mudded up six point, well, I'll get into that, but, you know, like this really nice 320, 330, pretty long time six point, and then I see a really good six by seven in there, it's like a 330 bull, and then, you know, a bunch of satellites, fives and sixes and things like that, and I'm I'm really looking for a good bull, um, so I start working down in on them, and, and, um, you know, I got to drop this elevation. I work, you know, they're three, four miles away. I drop down in and start getting closer and closer. And then I'm getting close to where I'm getting ready to make moves on them. And I'm watching all these elk come out in different spots. And I, 
I get down in there and drop down in there, and then pretty soon I see two guys that are in front of me. So I've got to just hold up. I mean, they've got the pole position. They're in front of me, and uh, they're they're calling, and um, they're bugling, and God, they just get set up in this timber, and they start bugling, and instantly these elk, you know, it's like high-pressure unit. Like, start making some calls, and... Like, like calls really work for elk and more people kill them by calls than anything else. I just like to be silent. I like to not let them know I'm there and I can watch this whole thing go down. I can watch these guys go up in there. They start calling and I can watch all these elk starting to get nervous and they just move the heck out of there. All of them do. The guys don't get a chance at them. You know, 75 head, eight different bulls. They are out of there. They know that hunters are after them. And uh, so they drop down to the bottom and start cruising country. Those two guys are still calling in the timber. And um, so now I've, I've got spooked elk, you know, moving elk. And so um, I located them pretty early in the day. Like I want to say like four or five o'clock. And um, so I just kind of keep with the herd and shadow them. And uh, I'm just going to shadow them and see where they end up and see if they start being elk again. And so I start cruising. We cover a couple miles. I have to hike all the way back up this ridge, hide myself at the ridge. I've got my camp with me the whole time. And um, yeah, I start just cruising this ridge and just keeping with these elk. And pretty soon I kind of see, you know, after they cover a couple miles, they're feeding, they hit some water, that bull wallows to that really nice 325, 330, whatever he is, he, um, he gets all mudded up, so he's just black, and, um, and, uh, they keep, they keep cruising, they're bugling, they're rutting, and, um, they just keep working up this draw and up this drainage, and pretty soon, like, after a few miles, like, I kind of see where they're going to head and where they're going to end up at, and I've got a pretty good win, and so I start jogging to try to get in front of the herd now. Um, you know, I put I put distance and um, been able to get in front of this herd and cut them off and cut them off to where they're headed, and so, you know, they come up, and um, they start coming, and I look over the edge, and they're coming right towards me, and I, I actually watch, there's like a six point in front, that's in front of this herd that kind of worked out like um, way in front, like he might be half a mile, mile in front of the herd. And I watch where this bull goes and I'm like 200 yards behind him. Not the bull I want to kill, but he's kind of telling me where the herd's going to go. So he crosses through there and then I kind of set up on his path and I sit there and I sit there and it's like, oh, I don't see him. I don't see him. And so I I worked up to the edge, peek my head over and then there's a cow. They're coming. So I, I sit down and boy, they start working their way up and they're in bow range of me and you know, it's 75 heads. So it's a bunch of cows and bulls have to pass by and they don't see me. I got a good win. I'm tucked in the sage. I actually had to scoot a little bit closer as their heads are down feeding just so I would be in range when that bigger bull showed up. And, um, sure enough, here comes that mudded up six point, the one I want I'm thinking, geez, here we go. And uh, he comes up and I'm getting a range and it makes me realize like how tough these bulls are to get shots at. Like a lot of times you can get into bow range, but that doesn't ensure you're going to get a shot. And uh, the bull comes up, I draw on him, get a good range, I draw on him. Um, He stops, but he stops and he's quartered to me. And, and not like a whole bunch, but quartered to me enough where I just don't feel good about the shot. I've told you guys like these elk are the toughest animals on planet earth. And if you don't put a perfect arrow into them, they don't die, and it can ruin your entire season. i just not willing to let that happen, and I've hunted elk long enough to know that I just need the right angle on this thing. So he's quartered to me, and I let down. And the lead cow, you know, out of all those cows, there was one cow that saw me let down that gets nervous, and she's at the front of the pack. 
And so I'm thinking this bull has got 40 yards of wide open that he's got to cover. And, and I've kept, you know, like a, um, other than that cow seeing me draw, nothing knows I'm there. And I'm just thinking this bull's going to walk up. He's going to stop again. I'm going to get a range. I'm going to put one in him. I'm going to get the right angle. And, uh, that lead cow starts taking off and she wasn't running or anything. She's just cruising country and cows start to kind of move off and that bull starts walking and that bull never stops. And, um, I played that game before where I cow call with my mouth to stop him and that does work, you know, but in this case, I just let him walk away. I didn't want to make a cow call and give myself away to the entire herd. So I just watched, watched him walk out of my life. I passed up on that quartering two shot and I, I felt good about it. It was like, man, I do not want to wound that bull. You know, if anything, you know, I want to kill him. And so, uh, I take up, I take up chase again, but you know I'm running out of light, and this big herd meets up with another big herd with some other big bulls, and that's so now there's a hundred, hundred and fifty elk, and I mean the woods just go absolutely insane, the bugling and glucking and glunking, and the the bulls trying to fight back and forth and chasing cows. I mean you're talking peak rut. I probably heard a thousand bugles that night. It was so insane, and I just I just ran out of light. You know, I got up to the top, uh, caught up to him again, and if they would have been in the right spot, you know, I maybe could have got in there and put a good arrow in one of those good herd bulls, but it was like I, I held up at a couple hundred yards, had a good wind, and I just didn't have any more cover. Lights are going down, and just the most insane rutting action, like being there in that place and the only person there on that elk, on those elk, like, man, it's like, this is what I live for. This is absolutely insane to see this with my own two eyes. It's like um, just watching these these bulls rut around and chase cows. And they're just like nothing means more to me than a, than a big bull or a big buck. I just, I, man, I love seeing it on public ground. And then to watch this whole rut fest just right in front of me was just insane. And so um, I kind of backed out super excited and um, make my bivy camp right there. You know, heard heard bulls bugling, you know, all night long. Like it gets dark, and I am surrounded by them. Like not only are they in front of me in my good wind, but they're behind me. They're below me on the bench. They're, I mean, they're absolutely everywhere. So I try to kind of sneak back in a good wind and uh, make a bivy sack. I, I mean, I slept in the worst spot that night, just like on this, on these rocks, and I had a hump right in my back, but it was like I could care less. I listened to bugles all night long as it got dark, just hear them screaming at each other. It's just so exciting. It's so thrilling. I just love chasing these elk. And so, you know, I I give my buddy Dan a text. I say, hey, I'm into him over here. If you want to come in, like come meet me in here. And, um, he says, oh, I'm on four or five bulls where I'm at. I'm going to get on them in the morning. So I send Robin a message and say, hey, Rob, man, I'm into him. And and uh, Rob says, yeah, I, I saw some come over the saddle. I hear one down below me. But, you know, I said, well, Rob, come over here with me. I said, you know, pack up your stuff. Come over here and meet me. I am in them. It's going to be a good hunt in the morning. Like, let's go try to kill you a bull. And so I uh, try to talk Rob into hiking over to me that night. And he says, I've already got my camp set up. I'm going to wake up at three in the morning and hike over to you. I said, right on, game on. And good on Rob. I mean, Jesus, coming from sea level from Maui. And he's been training hard for this elk hunt. And he loves to hunt elk. Um, but the guy's got grit. He just never stops, never complains, always has a good attitude. He's always just going hard as hell. And um, 
So yeah, he started at three in the morning, left his camp, crossed the draw, came over and met me. And sure enough, about 530, uh, I see a text on my phone or whatever. He says, are you up? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm up. And he goes, okay, I'm about 10 minutes from your camp. And so he rolls in, lights off. And so we get up and start rolling um, towards where I think these elk went and um, start hearing bugles and see that real nice mudded up 320, 330, that good bull. And there's a couple other ones in there too. And they're working this top feature and they kind of work around the hill. And I, I've seen elk do this before in the spot. So I kind of know where they're headed in this timber and I figure they're going to bed down and then you know, come back in in the evening or whatever. And really for the morning play, we just didn't, like they're high enough on the mountain. I couldn't get to the spot that where we needed to cut them off and we're just too exposed. Like we're just going to blow them up and spook them and then have to start all over. So we just watch them and let them cruise around the mountain and, about that time, I mean, hunting pressure was, was heavy this year. You know, there's a lot of guys going really hard for elk and deer. And sure enough, here comes a guy behind me. And um, he was nice enough. And we chatted and talked. And he had been on a bull the night before up over the top of the mountain. And he kind of had a plan for these elk. And I said, yeah, man, have at it. You know, he wanted to work around. And I said, yeah, well, you know, I'm not sure what we're going to do. You know, we'll probably play these elk for evening and not chase them into the trees or whatever. And so you know, the elk disappear, we kind of execute our game plan, he executes his, and get up on the top of this 10,000 foot peak, and you just don't really hear the bugling, and it's like, man, did these things just keep going, and so we kind of sat up there, and ran into five guys up on that peak, and, and like I say, there's a lot of guys going really hard right now, but like, like to, to be at the top of your game, like, uh, you know, the, experience really dictates like hunting skill it's so important and like every like a lot of these guys are trying to figure out where everybody's hunting or where the good unit is I'm gonna be honest with you like it comes down to hunting skill it comes down to like being able to locate animals being able to find animals putting forth the effort being at the right places at the right times like I ran into five guys on that 10,000 foot peak but nobody was up there at daybreak to get on those elk like they're all, they made it up there at 10, 11, 12 o'clock. They've got a base camp down at water. They hike up to this vantage and, and two guys, you know, the, what changed my mind is to get up there and two of these guys had bugled all the way up through this downfall timber where these elk were going to be bedding at. And, um, you know, they, they just kept chasing them. They chased them out, out of that drainage, you know? And so we're sitting up there and it's like, we never heard that bull again, ran into five guys and it's like, well, it's, uh. It's back to the drawing board, but like carrying this pack on my back for elk is so effective and so efficient. You just don't have to go back and forth to camp. Like you can carry everything you need and then just travel with the herd or travel to a new spot. There's none of this back and forth. I just absolutely love it. And going light, I mean, no stove, no coffee, which you guys know how much I love coffee, but it, it's, I'm just trying to go absolute minimalist, trying to cruise with these elk. And I've got, you know, three days worth of gear on me. And it's just like, keep moving, keep, keep moving through country until I can find that spot where those elk are. And so, you know, we're back to the drawing board, Rob and I, uh, you know, five guys up on top, don't see those elk middle of the day. And so, you know, it's time to go cruise ridgelines and cruise country. And so we just, we just go to relocating and, um, and uh, start start relocating, and um, yeah, pretty soon we pick out a bull, and um, you know, we get Rob a chance. There's t- two bulls, like one shooter, 
and they're kind of high up on the ridge with some cows, and Rob wants to go for them. I said, well, what do you think, Rob? Do you want me to come with you, or you want me to stay here on the vantage point? And he goes, oh, well, you stay on the vantage point. Rob's got his camp with him, and so I know wherever he ends up, he can camp, or he can meet me back, and so I'll just sit on this good vantage point. You go make a play. Hopefully you get on him. And Rob got into him that night. Like um, Later it got the more elk I saw from this vantage point. And I pick out this bowl down below me. And uh, I look at this bowl and his top end isn't too big. And um, I look at him down there and I think, well, he'd be a really good bowl for Rob. You know, if I can catch back up with Rob, I'll kind of watch him and see what he does. And he's bedded down there and kind of look at him. And I, I judge him, I don't know, maybe 310 or so really good bull and um then that bull gets up and that bull gets up and it is so old and so heavy it's like jeez look at that thing so he might only score 320 330 something like that um but he looks like a 350 bull he is so heavy and so much mass and his fronts are so big and it's just a specimen of a bull like um he's actually got a you know the weird horn on him and just a heavy bull. And so he gets up, you know, Rob's a couple miles away from me now at this point, And I watch this bull get up and start working his cows. And I go, man, that's a bull I would be happy with. I'd shoot that bull. It's a great, big, old, heavy herd bull. So I dive off the mountain. Rob said he saw me dive off the chute. And uh, I went down the shale chute down the mountain to lose about, I don't know, 1,500 feet of elevation. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I got cliffed out down there. Rob said he watched me one time turn around backwards and climb my way down uh, cliffs. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't too bad, but it's shale. I don't want to make a lot of noise, but I'm just, I'm going to drop all the way down this draw. I got plenty of time to get on this bowl. I got a good approach with a good win. I'm all in. And so I dropped down my 1500 feet elevation and, um, start cruising into this bowl. And, um, really being quiet again it comes down to these opportunities you create these opportunities and then it comes down to your hunting skill whether or not you can close the deal or get yourself in tight and it's really about slowing down when you get close to these animals it's slowing down and being patient being able to freeze and like your mind is always telling you to hurry up and go look over this edge go see if he's there see if he's get there before he moves but you just got to calm your mind and just go i'm going to move slow like if this bull moves off, that's fine, but I am not going to blow him up out of here. I'm not going to get caught by elk moving in, and it's this hunting skill. Um, it really dictates like whether or not you're going to be successful or not. Like If you give yourself away, the game's over, but if you can continue to play the game and not let these elk know you're there, you have a chance. And so I start creeping into this bull, and I'm moving ultra slow to where I think he is and all of a sudden I hear this this monstrous bugle and he's down below me he's moved it's like oh he's right here somewhere and so I start kind of creeping down a little bit and then I see his blonde body and I see him down there and um man he is just a big old bull that is um switched on he's looking in every direction I don't know if he's looking for another bull I don't know if he heard something I don't know what but you know, he's a little bit on edge, but he's in this brush, and he's in bow range. I can get, I can click him with my range finder, and he's like 60, 65 right in there, right on the outskirts of my bow range, but where I can put a good arrow in this bowl, I just can't get an angle on him. So, I mean, I 
I kind of position to get an angle on where I think he's going to show up at because it's, it, he's kind of behind some trees and stuff the way he moves through there. But, I mean, I I had this bull in bow range for 30 minutes. Uh, eventually, this bull walks out into my shooting lane and uh, I get a range on him. He's like 61. And um, same thing, get a good range on him and he turns and gives me that slightly quartering two and he's looking up in my direction. Man, his horns are just goofy looking. Like he has got one lopsided horn, but he's big and he's heavy. He rips a bugle right in my face, you know. It's just like so intense. It's like these encounters... Uh, but I've got that quartering to me. I've got a good range. I got my bow in front of me, and it's almost like you could you could touch one right on the back of his shoulder, you know, right in that crease, and it would go right through and catch both lungs and come out on the liver on the other side. But it's just like this tight window, and I know how tough these elk are. And it's just like nope, I, I'm not gonna take that. I know. I know what that shot can lead to, and I'm, I'm not going to take it. I'm going to wait for the right angle, and I'm going to get it. And this bull ended up down below me a little bit, which the thermals are going down. Like now, he's on the edge of my bad wind. Thank goodness there was a good um, directional wind that was blowing up this drainage and draw that kind of held my wind, you know, so I could be in bow range at 30 minutes, but I can feel this wind switching around. It's like, man, this bull's going to win me any second. But he doesn't. He's standing there quartering towards. I don't try to draw. I don't try to shoot him. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait for the right moment to put this perfect arrow in this bowl. And then the bull, um, he, uh, yeah, he walks to my to my right. He finally goes broadside again where and uh, starts walking over. And I think, okay, here's my chance. Clicking him with the rangefinder. Clicking him with the rangefinder. And then all of a sudden, he's behind the timbers again, behind the trees. <sighs> no shot. And um, finally gets down there, 30 minutes of being in bow range, and um, just catches my wind enough and blows up out of there. Don't get a shot or anything. All the elk kind of scamper out of there. I can hear them all spooking out of there. And it's always your goal when you're hunting elk or any animal not to spook them or blow them up. But, you know, it's I went all in. This was a good chance to go all in. I had that bull in bow range. He just didn't offer the right shot. And uh, so now I've had two of these encounters, two shots that I've passed on that are both these quartering towards. And, man, I'm into elk. Like, it's going to happen on the bull I want. Just got to keep pushing. And so we we keep grinding. I sleep in there that night. Rob sleeps in a different spot. We touch bases on the inReach. You know, next day, go catch up with Rob. And we just start to keep cruising country. And um, those elk had moved out of there. The ones that Rob, were on, Rob was on, he was close. He had that bull and bow range. I think that big mudded up six. Um, or a different six and um, some other bulls, and he had a close call, no no shots fired. And um, so we meet up again, and man, I'm I'm pushing it on water. You know, we're both pretty dehydrated. You know, after we hunt for another day or two back in there, and uh, keep on elk. Um, I end up seeing that bull again, the big heavy one that I was 61 from. Uh, I end up finding him again, and he's in a spot, but he's not in a spot where I can get to him or get to him, but, you know, we're in the party of elk. They're bugling like crazy. We go find him in this other draw, and we hunt him for a couple days and trying to get rob a bull. Like, a big part of my hunting season is not only my personal success, but my buddy's success. I want them all to be successful, and one of, you know, one of my biggest failures this year is, like, seeing 
Dan go over on a couple hunts. He's a great bow hunter, and I really want him to be successful, and I really want to help get him in counters and stocks and things, but it it just hasn't come together. Like I say, it's the most difficult thing on planet planet Earth, trying to arrow a big, mature animal. So it, it just is what it is, but a big part of it, my season is I want my buddies to be successful. I want to share in their success, and... Um, so I try to help Rob. Like um, we stock a big six point one night. Could have shot all his cows. He hung out at about ninety yards. Ended up getting dark. We backed out of there. Um, so we're we're just making plays on bulls and um, just loving life, hunting elk. We're into. And um, I see another big three forty bull, three fifty bull, like a really nice one. Chase some cows over into the drainage, and so I'm trying to get a chance at one of these bigger bulls. All the while trying to get Rob stocks and chances and opportunities, you know. And so we're camped back in there. And um, yeah, I'd see that big bull again, the big lopsided bull I had at 61 and watch him. And then the next day, um, catch him again. And he's out on this ridge with these cows. And now it's, um, oh, you know, we had to go out of there. So uh, out of food, out of water. Like I say, we only pack for two, three days, four days or whatever we were in there. And so we've got to go back out and refuel. And so we watch these elk. We know where they're at. And uh, we just got to get out of here. And also there's a big storm coming in, a uh, big rain, snowstorm coming in, lightning and the whole deal. And so we pack up um, that morning after the morning hunt and we make it out. We get out and we got to go track down Janus and get Rob stuff and get refuel, refood, get everything. And so, man, we just make a quick turnaround. We're out in the morning. We hike all the way out of there. We get to the truck and, you know, a, a lot of this, I mean, Rob's just tough as nails. Rob's like all in, you know, here he comes from sea level and hunting elk in the mountains and going really hard and a bunch of miles and backpacking. And uh, we go out and we both talk about the importance of making it back in there and trying to be in there for this storm and uh, seeing what happens. And so we go out, we refuel and uh, we're right back in that afternoon and we grinded back into the spot. Rob got to play that night on a bowl when we, when we made it in there. A uh, nice little six point didn't come together and uh, get back in there and we, we get camping again. Rain comes in and the storm comes in and it's just gnarly. And uh, Rob kind of shouts at me in the morning. He says, hey, hey, we getting up? I say, yeah, yeah, we'll get up here. Let's see what happens. It's just pouring down rain on the tent. I make it till about daylight and then um, got to get up and get rolling, you know, throw on the rain gear and, and uh, go for it. So throw on the rain gear and start looking around and pretty soon find a pretty big herd and a couple five points and a six point in there and so Rob starts watching those and um, wants to go play on those and he's he's got a pretty good win and he gets close that day went goes and gets on them and plays the game and and uh, all the while I'm on that lopsided bull just watching him he's not in a good spot yet but that morning he kind of works to a good spot and it's raining all day it's cold got uh, wind um, so these elk they're more apt to stay out in the open when it's storming like this stay out in the sage they had been going you know back into the timber and then come out in the sage to feed at night and then back into the timber and kind of run in this program but this day they're kind of staying out in the open and it's not wide open sage it's got timber in it too timber patches and things but they're just kind of hanging out there so finally they're in a pretty good position I got a good win like I'm gonna go work into them so I work around and gosh I have this six point and I'm always hunting six points um, usually that's my line, you know, if it's a decent six point run arrow through it. So I had the six point and he came down below me, he's by himself 
and he crossed right below me. He has no idea I'm there. Good win. And then he beds kind of in the open by one tree. It's like I could totally kill this bull. But it's not the six point I want. You know, it's it's like a satellite six. Yeah, it's not something I'm going to be super psyched with in the end. I mean, it is. Any bull's a good bull. Any public land bull's a good bull. He's a six point. Sure, I would be happy, but it's like, you know, I got days. I want to hunt a big herd bull. I want to hunt a big heavy. And so I'm, I, uh, I let him bed down. Um, you know, I figure, well, I'll, I'll get Rob a chance at this bull. If nothing else, I'll let him know he's in the saddle and, and, um, he can make a play on him. And so I keep going and leave that bull. And, um, you know, I, I know like making those decisions might mean I don't kill an elk this year. That's fine. You know, it's like, if I do kill one, it's going to be the one I want. So I keep moving in on the lopsided. And I got to cross like this rock so I come up and there's a cow and a calf bedded down below me about 80 yards. I kind of sneak around them and keep going. Got a decent win and I start moving into this lopsided um, uh, this cows. I, I call him lopsided. Uh, his actual name was Donkey Dick. <laughs> so he, uh, such an inappropriate name. I don't know how I come up with the stuff I do sometimes, but that that was his nickname that we called because he's got this front that comes down that he's been digging into the dirt that's kind of rounded off, but it's like 20 inches long straight off the tip of his nose right there. So anyways, that's his name. So just, um, uh, just to give full clarity to the story. But, um, so he, uh, I work into his cows and I work right down there into range and I've got like this little draw that leads over and I look over the edge and there's all these cows. They're feeding down there and bedded down there and they're in bow range. They've got some at 40 yards or so. And so I'm in the money. I'm just sitting right in his cows. All of a sudden I can feel this wind and it's kind of swirling around a little bit more. It's not as steady. And I get nervous with the wind. I can't see the bowl. And so I think I'm just going to back out of here. So I just back out. I back out of being range of his cows. And I figure, well, I'll just keep, you know, within a couple hundred yards. And then when I see my chance, you know, I've got all day, you know, when I see my chance, I'll move in. And so I scoop back and I look back down there and all the cows are still in there. They didn't win me. My wind kept good enough and I got my scent out of there. So now I'm sitting good. And so I'm backed off of this herd and, um, you know, there's like this lip I can't quite see over. Like it's this lip or this edge that I can't tell what's right down below me because of this lip. And the closer I get, then I'm exposed to elk. So I can't keep going to look over the lip to see where he's at. So I get back that couple hundred yards and I kind of reset. I'm just sitting there and I can see that other little six point over to my right. And um, pretty soon I see this cow and she walks right up on the lip and walks right by me at like 30 yards. Oh my gosh, that was close. Like I didn't even know she was there. I was a couple hundred yards away from his cows, you know, and she kind of cruises over and then I lose sight of her. And, and I'm kind of looking down there and I get a little bit closer and look over the lip and, and, uh, then I hear him bugle and I hear that big raspy bugle and, uh, look down there and I see his rack and it's, it's lopsided or donkey down there below me. And it's like, man, oh man, there he is right on. Here we go. And it's just him. I can see he's actually worked away from his cows and worked towards that smaller six point And he's bugling at that thing. You know, because this cow had escaped his herd and maybe worked over towards that bull or maybe he was following that cow. Maybe that was a hot cow. I'm not sure. But he works over and I can see his rack and he's not moving much. He's just looking to his right and to my right. 
And um, so, man, I'm able to kind of get my body low and slip down to that ledge and see him down there with a good angle and uh, able to draw back. And, man, I mean, able to keep my composure, ice water running through my veins and put it just right on him. Watch that arrow disappear. Perfect shot. Disappears down below me. And then um, 20 seconds later, he's rolling down the hill. Oh, man, what a good feeling. This is the ultimate. Um, man, I mean, sometimes it's just capitalizing on opportunities. I think it's continuing to play the game, like not letting those elk know that I was there and just playing that game for hours, like close to bow range. And then pretty soon, like just the longer you're there, this the the more likely something is to come together. That bull makes a mistake and he, the bull made a mistake and I capitalized on it, slipped down the hill, slipped a perfect arrow into him and bowl down. And then these elk are so big, like, um, man, it's nice to have good friends. I was able to, you know, take some pictures and, um, man, I mean, elk, you take pictures where they're at. <laughs> like you don't, you don't get to move them or drag them to where you want or get a good background. Like, um, you, you pretty much get some photos where he's at and then, you know, start working them by myself. And, um, you know, they're always big critters and send a message to Rob. He's up there with me. He's been hunting elk. And so, um, he comes and joins up with me and helps me butcher. And man, it's just, um, I'm so fortunate to have good friends like that that'll chip in. Me, by myself, this bull where I've hiked to, like, geez, it is a mission to get this thing out of there. But um, Rob comes and helps me. Janus, just the best guy in the world. I really love that guy, man. He's just, he'd do anything for his friends. And, you know, man, just really good guys that I can... I can call out on the bat line and pretty soon I've got guys headed in to help pack. I've got Rob helping me butcher and, um, man, it's just what a specimen of a bull. I don't, I don't even know if the photos do justice, but like the true impressive thing is to see this bull in person. I actually put a tape on him. So, um, he goes three thirties, a really good bull for me. Um, you know, he's got a smaller top end, but he is so freaking heavy, uh, heaviest bull I've ever shot. Uh, maybe the heaviest sheds I've ever picked up too. The bull is just so heavy. He's like a 10-year-old bull. He's a really, really old one. And 10-inch bases. His fronts are 20 inches long. One's 22 inches long. He's got that dropper. But just the heaviest, biggest tines on those fronts. And the third, he carries his mass all the way up. Super heavy all the way up. Weird-looking bull. He's lopsided. He's got a busted pedicle. Um, but just a really nice, big, heavy six-point. So psyched. And um, good buddies to help me get him out of country. Oh, man, I'm just so fortunate to have good friends. Um, so fortunate to be able to be in the woods, chase my dreams. And um, yeah, I just want my buddies to be successful now, too. So uh, keep hunting. Rob ends up killing a bull. He killed a bull yesterday, which was good. Um, I got that bull taken care of and I said, um, you know, you guys just call me if you get a bull down or, you know, uh, also I'll come back down. I'll hunt with you in that, that, um, back country, you know, I'll go camping with you, but you know, it's, it's kind of like, um, those guys are pretty dialed on their system and they're really good hunters. And, uh, so I, I went home, took care of this bull and then, um, man, I got a call from my buddy Brandon and he had invited me to go hunting with him locally here in my valley uh, last minute, which is how he always invites me, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm headed in there. I'm headed in solo, dude, can you hunt? And I said, no, I'm, I'm just coming home with this bull. I got to take care of this thing. Um, call me if you get something or, you know, and, um, 
all of a sudden I get a photo from Brandon. It's this great big six by seven he killed back in there. He's by himself back in the mountains. He's a really good hunter. He's been on the podcast a couple times. Loves to hunt elk. Uh, I'm actually really happy to see him arrow a bull and be back to a bow and arrow. He's killed some awesome bulls with his bow and arrow, killed a sheep with his bow and arrow. Uh, but he's been battling some target panic where he hasn't been in love with archery. He's been hunting like a lot of late season rifle and things. And so it was really good to see him fired up back with his bow. But yeah, he arrowed a great big six by seven, didn't make a call at it, watched it in his cows. And then this bull left its cows, came down to water and he cut it off, got a 35 yard shot, put a perfect arrow in it, thing went and died. And, and, um, so Brandon starts butchering this elk by himself and he gets it all quartered. And then, um, he's actually got the head off and he's skinning the head and he stabs a Havilon two inches into his hand. It slips off the pedicle, stabs right into him, and he can't get the blood to stop. And this is something that we all need to be cognizant of. We all need to have a better first aid kit. Like, mine is horrible. I've got some duct tape that's around my tripod. <laughs> like That's what I run for my medical kit. Same thing with Brandon. That's what he runs. And so he had some duct tape, and he's trying to duct tape his hand, and he can't get it to stop bleeding. Finally ends up putting his glove over his hand and then tightening his release over his glove to get the bleeding stop. Can't get that bull out of there. He's right in the middle of grizzly country. Um, there was actually a spot in here where there was 14 grizzly bears spotted last season that were feeding on dead a couple dead cows um, right in this area. I mean, this is where attacks come from. Like, he's right in the middle of it by himself with an elk down. So... He sends sends me a photo of the bowl or whatever, and you know Brandon's one of those guys that never asked for help or anything. And, I, and uh, but he he tells me you know it shot this bowl, and I said, you know he didn't even say anything about his hand or anything. I said, dude, um, let me help you get that bowl out, dude. Like uh, where are you at? Where how can I help? And he goes, well, right now I'm at the ER. Like I got I had to hike out three hours and a two hour uh, drive to the ER. I'm getting stitched up. I'm like, dude. And he's like the last guy I would ever think to stab himself. It just goes to show you that it can happen to any one of us. And he's really fortunate, really lucky it wasn't worse. So they got him stitched up. And and then um, I told him, man, just come over to the house here. Let's go get that bowl in the morning, you know, first thing at first light. And so he comes over to the house. He has a couple other good buddies that, that come out. Zach Botten, um, he's been on, I had him on the fly fishing podcast. I got to have him on the hunting podcast. Guy's a real go-getter. Super fun, and and then um, he's got a uh, uh, he's he's got um, uh, a buddy with him as well, and so you know we've got a pretty good crew of four guys or whatever, and so um, yeah, Brandon comes and stays here at the house. So pumped for him, man! Such a good bull. Just happy that he's okay. He didn't bleed to death out there, guy. He's just tough as nails. Hands throbbing and stuff. But yeah, we wake up three the next morning, four the next morning, and. Um, go cruise in there. His bull, we went from a different access and then went in there and got his bull, finished caping out the head and um, boned out the quarters and things and went in there with the shotgun with slugs. It's a good thing to go into grizzly bear country and go in with a pistol, but that shotgun with slugs loaded with five one-ounce slugs, it just ensures that bear's not going to make it to you. Um, so, yeah, we cruise in there and, you know, a little leery when you're coming up to a dead elk that's been sitting there all night, but uh, nothing had touched it and... Um, bugles all around us and just the prettiest place to kill an elk too just the you know I, I love this madison valley i love what it offers to elk and elk hunting and he just killed it in one of the prettiest most pristine places to kill a bull and just nice to share in his success and then um 
you know, help him get that bull out of country and take some good photos for him. And, um, just awesome to share in his success and kind of ride that high. So we got his bull out. He's okay. And, um, yeah, Rob ended up killing a bull yesterday. I was going to shoot down and help him pack it out. Uh, but, uh, kind of got it like it wasn't too far back in there and he had some other help. And so they were able to get that, that bull out of there. And, um, so yeah, just, um, I really want to help Jay now. Uh, Janus, like I say, he's the best guy on planet earth. He's been out here hunting two times with me for bulls and, you know, he's got some shots and some opportunities. It just hasn't come together two times with me. I think he's hunted two times in Oregon. Like he's been hunting elk for four or five years and he's a really good hunter. Um, Janus is really patient and slow. I love hunting axis deer with him. He actually moves like slower than I do, which I can really learn from. Like he's just really patient and slow, doesn't make mistakes, but stuff always dies with Janus. Um, I remember hunting sheep, like, um, he killed a really nice ram, really nice axis bucks. Uh, he's just a really good hunter and he really enjoys it. Janus is always having fun, man. I'm always laughing with that guy. And he just do anything for his friends. I mean, anything. And um, so he's such a great guy. I just want to see him be successful as well. So he had some close calls. So, yeah, now we're just um, resetting. The guys are resetting. Um, they've got some other elk tags. I've got another elk tag. And um, so, yeah, we're going to gonna reset. We're actually going to take off today. It's, um, let's see, what is it, uh, early in the morning now. And get my stuff loaded up here and... Um, I'm going to go pick up Jay. Uh, Rob's going to take care of his elk and meet us over there a day later. He's going to go out to dinner with his brother-in-law. It's his birthday and then, um, meet us over there. So I'm going to go grab Jay and go to one of my favorite elk hunting spots and, um, go chase these things around. So I really, you know, one good bull was my goal for this year. I I have that in the bag. Just want to help my buddies be successful, but I do have a tag in my bow and, um, you know, I see one of those next level ones, you know, I might have to give them a go. So, um, man, it's just so fun, man. So fulfilling hunting season. Um, and, and for me to have the time this year, I'm 40 years old. This is the, you know, I've always said my entire life, I'd love to take the entire season, go hunt. And, you know, I've had to work here and there, but, um, and I've taken so much time this year. I'm so fortunate and it's just been, you know, structuring my life since I was a kid to get to this place, but now to have the time and to go on these adventures and go challenge myself and then come out on top on a couple of these things, man, it just means the absolute world to me. It's so freaking fun. It's so fulfilling, so challenging. It's just, it's the absolute ultimate. And then to have good friends that have, you know, the same toughness and the same love for the game, uh, to be able to enjoy it with them and laugh with them and I've had some of the greatest times in my life in the last month. I really have. It's just been absolutely insane. So I just want to keep the ball rolling. And I, I just um, I want to really be a good friend and help my buddies be successful, help them get their, their bowls or um, encounters or get close and um, just go have some more fun, some more laughs. Um, yeah, I got another another week or two and then um, it's going to be back to the grindstone for me and work and personal house and podcasts and things I'm going to have to get back to it but man I I have loved every minute of this season and um just so fortunate have the support of my family have the time support at work man it's just absolutely crazy cool so I I I wanted to share my successes with you guys and hopefully there's some good tidbits in there and um 
man, it's just uh, we're lucky to have this to be a blue collar guy, just a, a, a you know a, a middle class average working guy, and to be able to create this life that's so exciting and adventurous and fulfilling. Man, it just means the world to me. Absolutely means the world to me. So. Uh, I've got a bunch of pictures and messages from you guys. Nothing makes me happier than you guys connecting with this content, listening to it, and um, and, and really cheering for my success too, like uh, through social media and things, all the nice comments I've got and the belief you guys have in, in me as a backcountry hunter. You know, it's just amazing. But I, I just, uh, I really appreciate the support, you guys, the support of this podcast. I just can't believe this little thing I started in my basement, you know, has, has grown into a podcast that that you guys love and listen to each and every week. And man, I just, I can't thank you enough. And so, um, I I try to respond back to every personal message I get and help you guys in your quest to be successful. And then, you know, really try to share this next level information, you know, this stuff that's taken me a lifetime to learn and, and try to bring it to the airwaves. So, you know, you guys can learn from it and improve from it and also getting these really good guests on that are willing to share their secrets uh, you know, it, it wasn't always that way. I still have a couple old school buddies that don't tell anybody anything, don't even post pictures of anything, you know, it's, uh, it's like this secretive game, you know, and, and I get it. Like you figure out the secrets to success and, you know, you had to work really hard for them and, you know, you're not, you're not willing to give those up easy. So, um, I mean, I understand that, but it's just like to help people out and help people create their own experiences and, and be successful in their own life, man, it's, It's more fulfilling than doing it myself for sure, but I'm riding a high, man. It's, um, it's hunting season and, uh, that hard work and effort and all that training, it pays off. And, um, you know, I maybe made a mistake on that sticker buck and I missed him, but, um, like I say, I knew I was going to create more opportunities. It was just about getting my head right, execute my shots. And now I've executed a couple more perfect arrows and a couple of really good trophy critters have, have hit the dirt and uh, my freezer's going to be full for the year and it doesn't get any better. So finish out these last couple weeks of the bulk of my season and then um, I do have a couple more mule deer tags left but have to get back to work and then kind of plan that strategically. But um, man, it's been absolutely awesome. So um, success doesn't come easy, guys. Keep pushing for it and um, really pulling for your success. Man, I love seeing your guys' photos and sharing and having a small part in your guys' success. It's just been absolutely awesome. So, all right. If I don't get off this podcast, I'm just going to keep saying how awesome everything is. So, <laughs> um, that's that's a wrap, guys. Uh, I'll check in with you next week. And remember, uh, support these sponsors. Uh, they're, they're what makes this thing go around. So, Everly Stock, Matthews, Six Hour Optics, Sitka, Sportsman's Warehouse, Swagger Bipods, Zamberlin, High Mountain Seasonings, Onyx, and Mountain Archery Fest. Really appreciate those guys and really appreciate you guys. All right. Talk to you soon.